This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We're back with another podcast talking all things Kansas football, the bye week, recruiting, looking ahead to the final half of the season. Um, Kevin Flaherty is here with me and we're going to break everything down in what might not be our longest episode of the year, but I think there's a lot to dive into after what was a pretty busy week for KU, both, I think, in Lawrence with the team and also on the recruiting trail. So, Kevin, bye weeks. I know you still got to do your national duties for 24-7, but how was the, the weekend for you without any Kansas football? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a chance to watch a lot of other football, obviously, but uh but my understanding is that you actually had some some pretty nice plans and, and got to get away for a little bit. Why don't you why don't you tell the listeners what uh what your plans were? It's a, it's a lot more exciting than me uh me sitting around and watching college football. Yeah, it's I had the opportunity to go down to to Austin for the the F1 race. Um I I'm a big F1 fan. It fits in with <laughs> The schedule, you know, for me, where Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, I'm riding, working usually. So I've become a pretty big F1 fan. I was able to go and spend the weekend there. And I mean, look, Kevin, I only get probably three weekends, four weekends a year that, or at least, you know, kind of between what, August and, you know, March that I can go do stuff and try to take advantage of this one. It was definitely weird, though, like not having, uh, you know, service is terrible. I couldn't see what was going on on the college football Saturday and I'm checking in to see Iowa lose to Minnesota 12 to 10. And I'm remembering why I'm happy. I'm, I'm sitting and watching some cars go fast instead of watching terrible offense and like Mississippi state, Arkansas, seven to three, I feel like I dodged a yeah. bullet sitting on the couch over the weekend. But um, yeah, some interesting football. Do you, I mean, do you watch many of the big 12 games? I kind of scoreboard yeah. watched after. Yeah, I, I watched some of them. Um, there were some weirdly competitive ones. I mean, you, I'm not sure most of us expected that, you know, Texas was going to have the trouble with Houston, with Houston coming back and making that a game. And, and certainly yeah. Quinn Ewers getting hurt with the, the grade two AC sprain, which, you know, Sark says he's week to week. You know, different different people have said it could be Big 12 title game before he's back. And so somewhere in there is his recovery process. And then, look, Kansas fans saw UCF. I mean, they saw UCF uh, up close. And for UCF to throw that scare into Oklahoma in mm. Norman the way that they did. And and for those of you who don't know, who, who didn't watch, you know, UCF, scored the touchdown to uh to basically bring it to within two went for the two-point conversion had just an awful two-point conversion call you know tried to go for a double pass and uh didn't get the second pass off got tackled for a big loss and 
and that was the game. But to go mm-hmm. to Norman and, and lose by two points, nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that, especially when you're a team that you know was down what twenty four to nothing to Kansas at halftime uh, in, in Lawrence, and so uh, solid, uh, solid showing for UCF, and and obviously that game had a had a little bit of attention, I think, because of who Oklahoma has this week. The uh, the University of Kansas Fighting Jayhawks. So I, I, <laughs> I, I yeah, think- well, that the end of that game for for UCF was so Gus Miles on, right? Oh, yeah, you just get you get in the position, and then the big play call comes, and you're just like trick play. Here yep. we go. Oh yeah, it's weird. Like okay, let's not run any of the plays that we've used today to to help us actually be in this game. Let's go here, Kevin. What's your philosophy on this? Because, you know, I've seen on the message board and on Twitter that I think fans are like, oh, man, you know, Oklahoma getting scared is not what KU needs after, you know, heading into this week's game. What's your philosophy on that? Do you think that stuff matters? Yeah, I think it does to some extent. Um, I I think the the worst possible thing would have been for Oklahoma to lose. Mm. You know, I I think there's still a a chance, you know, where – we're all human. The players are human. I I think there's still a chance that when you find a way to pull out a game like that and survive, you say, Oh, it was just one of those nights. And and you kind of go about your business sometimes Mm -hmm. and don't maybe treat it with the the seriousness that that you should. I I think, you know, obviously if, if Oklahoma had absolutely run UCF would that have probably been um, the better thing. I, I think philosophically. Yeah. But the flip side of that Swain is, is, everybody's chasing perfection, right? Like you're trying to get better every week and you're trying to, you're, you're trying to get to that point where you're operating at peak confidence, you're operating mm-hmm. at peak efficiency and all of that. And so that's the thing that people don't talk about is if Oklahoma came out and won that game 45 to nothing, I'm not saying they wouldn't be confident going into the KU game or even overconfident, but if they're at a point where they're like, man, we figured this thing out, you know, we're really playing with peak. You don't want yeah. that either. And so, and so I, I think there are a lot of different ways to look at it. How about you? Yeah, I know. I totally agree. Right. I think best, like purely from a Kansas perspective. Well, I think you're right. Human nature is a big thing, especially with college football players, right? These are guys that are in college. They've got other things going on too. And I think the natural inclination is, okay, we just smacked UCF. We beat Texas. Like we're it. Like we're the best thing since sliced bread. And I think that lends into maybe a little bit of a slippage that can happen to get caught off guard where maybe you do go in not taking a team as seriously because you you beat a team that Kansas beat by a lot and you beat them by a lot too. And so I think it's one of those where I think we talked early in the season about KU winning games and having teaching tape where the sure. coaches can point during film review, other things like that really point to, hey, this is where we need to be better guys we've been preaching this to you all year and here is rearing its ugly head you know i think those are the moments that for me i'm like yeah probably not great for ku that brent venables can go stand up in front of the team and highlight a lot of those plays and um i you know i think oklahoma is an impressive team i think they're a really good team and i i don't think they're perfect though and i'll be really interested to see how ku tries to attack them because i think this is a team that ku has been able to fight with I think you think back to last year, right? In the long run, that was where K was kind of within two scores, kind of the whole game, but was able to keep pace offensively. Obviously, in 2021, um, K was looking good, and then the, the Caleb Williams play, which is just still so weird, 
um, yeah. changes the momentum of the game. And so, I mean, KU and Oklahoma have played closer games than KU has against other Big 12 teams, right? Oklahoma yeah. State has consistently blown KU out. Um, Iowa State has given KU some trouble. I think there are a lot of teams in the conference, Texas too, to some degree, right, in terms of the last 12 months. Um, and Oklahoma is a team that KU has been able to keep up with. So I'm interested to see how KU tries and attack this Oklahoma team just because watching them against UCF, they didn't look like um, a team that at least to me, you're like, oh, my gosh, nobody can beat them. Yeah, they didn't run the ball well early. Um, and, and obviously you – you look at what Kansas was able to do. I, I thought against Oklahoma State, like we talked about, they were starting to look banged up on the defensive line. I thought the second level didn't play well. They were a step slow. Maybe that bye week helps you out a little bit there in terms of that. Oklahoma's not a dominant running team, and I think that that's maybe a, a little bit of a difference from what they had last year with Eric Gray, you know, in terms of – you know, they, they could really line up and had, you know, a, a really good single back that, that would hurt you. Another area I think, I think they're a little bit weaker at wide receiver this year, especially after the loss of Andrell Anthony for the season. And so last year, you know, when you, when you watch that game, uh, Swain, because I think this is going to be one of the most interesting parts to watch, Oklahoma really clubbed Tech Kansas with its tempo. They didn't allow them to sub. Mm-hmm. They had big plays. We're running up to the line, getting the next plays off before Kansas could sub. Kansas a little bit deeper, coming off the bye week where they've had a little bit of time, you know, to rest and and recuperate. How do you think that tempo winds up winds up impacting this game? I mean, it's hard, man. Like, yeah. it is one of the Achilles' heels for KU. Period. Right. I think you look at the teams that have run tempo against KU, whether it be Oklahoma State, right, in the last game. You look at UCF and the job that KU was able to do against that offense, but then you still look up in the end and, you know, they're able to put up 20 or more points. You go back to last year, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Um, I think even Texas has gone up tempo at times against KU to change the pace. And I asked Lance Leipold about this on Monday about, you know, is there a point where guys get comfortable going against it where maybe it doesn't look so awkward as I think it does at times. And he felt like, yes, but I I still say that they've got to really work on being aligned. Right. Because I think Oklahoma still has that team speed element that can make guys miss. They've got the talent, even if it's not the, the a plus talent that I think some of those Lincoln Riley teams had on the offensive side of the ball. So it's going to be a challenge. And I think generally, Kevin, this is a game K needs to show up in. There can't be a slow start. Yep. There can't be. KU's got to come out of the gates hard and hot and really attack. And I, KU can't get down because if that happens, then Oklahoma's going downhill. It's hard to stop. KU's going to have to press at that point. And KU's got to come out hard. And, and I just – they've been better at that at home games, but I just have not super convinced yet with the way that they've started games. Yeah, and this is one of those – one of those games where it's really important for the defense to come out really early because mm-hmm. you can't get behind that eight ball of tempo because it just, it keeps rolling. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you start off, you face 10 plays on your first drive, you face 12 plays on your second drive. And that's not just important at that point where your guys are coming off the sidelines. So like, man, we just faced a bunch of, of plays. It's important in the fourth quarter when yeah. all of that is accumulated and, and, and there hasn't been the rest and, and different things like that. I, I think 
that's also why it's important. I, I know it sounds obvious to say the offense and the defense have to play well, but we always talk about complementary football. And this mm. is one of those games where the easiest way to control tempo is to hold on to the ball yourself. And, you know, Kansas is a team that when I feel like they've been at their best, they've been really good at controlling the ball and, and running the ball and, and doing things like that. What they can't have happen is they can't have a situation like Texas where they have the odd explosive play and then not a whole lot in between. They can't yeah. have the Oklahoma State running game where Oklahoma State was able to kind of dare you and say, hey, you're going to throw the ball on us maybe, but you're you're not going to run the ball on us. Kansas mm. needs to run the ball in this game, and, and I think Oklahoma knows it. I, I think Kansas knows it. I, I think Oklahoma is probably going to – to try and align guys to stop it. But at the same time, it's not something Kansas can go with that. I think if you're, if you're looking at this and you're looking at the post game stats and Kansas put the ball in the air, in the air 45 times, you're going to say Kansas lost. And, and so I do think it's a game where even if Oklahoma is putting eight guys mm-hmm. in the box or, or whatever else, Kansas needs to be able to find some success yeah. With, with that ball control, with running the ball a little bit, I think that's going to be a huge factor. Yeah, I think so much of it is kind of the blueprint for that UCF yeah. game where that is the best KU has started a game this season, maybe under Lance Leipold, right? The way yeah. that they came out offensively, set the tone, defensively came out and did not let UCF get into that tempo. And I look at that formula and I think it's exactly what KU has to do. The guy get the stop first, they got to score and then get another stop like the tempo right you're so right it's like a snowball right when it starts getting downhill it is really hard to stop and get that momentum halted and so starting fast is huge and i think you'd hope that with the atmosphere of this game right big noon kickoff which we'll talk about in a second being there um, you'd think that the students will be out for this one and and that maybe it'll be a sellout it isn't at this point in time but again it's it's monday We'll see how it progresses through the week, but it's a crowd that still will be juiced. And you just, you'd like to think that KU will come out and start really well, but it's just not been guaranteed. And so I think that for me is the biggest key. Can KU just, can they win the first quarter? Because if they can, then I think this is a four quarter game. But if it's a game where like last year, where they fall behind early and are trying to fight back, it's just hard to come uh, over that hill when you've got to get multiple stops multiple scores consecutively when the other team has momentum. Jason Bean played well last year, but he, you know, Kansas came up empty on a possession here, a possession there, and and they were just they were chasing the rabbit the rest of the game. It, it just it was was what it was and they can't put themselves in, in that position again. So I, I have to ask mm. you mm. and I'm gonna ask you straight up because we don't do this uh, enough, you know, in our profession is just ask the straight up question. Does Jalen Daniels play and or start on Saturday? I'll put on my Lance Leipold mask here. Uh-oh. I don't know. Uh oh. Look, I think it's as simple as this. This is a back injury. And I think there yeah. are multiple things at play here. Yes, Jalen Daniels is able to do more. Lance Leipold, I said that. Does that mean he's getting the starting reps to be the starter? Because I think what is paramount above everything else is preparation, 
right? I think you've seen that when this coaching staff has time to dial up a, a game plan for the quarterback, they're really good, right? Yep. And when they don't, it's when things kind of look a little off. And I think that's exactly what that Texas game was. And that for me is a big question. You know, KU didn't practice on Monday, practiced on Sunday night. Um, that's their first practice of the week. The most important practices are really kind of Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday is the big third down day. At least that's my understanding. Um, and so if Jalen is able to get those reps on Tuesday and Wednesday, then yeah, he will start. But if this is a situation where he didn't show enough on Sunday to get the requisite reps on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, then he's not going to start. Because I think the coaching staff has to focus on who can give us the best chance of winning, not can we have our starting quarterback back, because he may not give K the best chance of winning if he hasn't had a full week of practice where he's been able to show you that he is back to being there. And so, look, I, the Missouri State game could end up being the right comparison. It could be a deal where he is ready to go, you know, where against Missouri State, he was available. But Jason Bean, throughout the course of the week, got the first team reps because he was the one that was ready to get that. And they built the game plan around him. And then the following week, Jalen Daniels got those reps to start. They built a game plan around him, and he kicked butt. And so I, Monday, I can't give you the answer, Kevin, as much as I love to, and I don't think anybody can because nobody knows, right? Tuesday, Wednesday, really crucial days. And, of course, got to make sure there's no setback as well as you're ramping things up and continuing to add more to Jalen Daniels' plate. So I'm fascinated to see, Kevin. I'll be honest, man. Yeah. I, like, I don't know the answer, but – I, I, I think that love to see the, it. The trust is so important because mm -hmm. I think when you looked at last year when Jalen Daniels came back against Texas, mm -hmm. the game plan suggested they did not trust Jalen Daniels to be Jalen Daniels just yet. Yep. You know, when when there were bootlegs off of handoffs and things like that, those were those were gives. Jalen Daniels was not keeping that ball. And, and so Jalen was out there, but it wasn't really Jalen Daniels. It wasn't like operating with him out there. Now you look at this year, the game plan against Illinois, when mm -hmm. he came back, you know, after not playing against Missouri State, you know, that was a game plan where they trusted Jalen to be Jalen. You know, Jalen was able to run the ball at certain spots. He was asked to run the ball at certain spots, you know, and so I, I think that's the other thing that, that we have to look at too is, you know, it's not just, hey, can Jalen go out and play on Saturday? It's can Jalen do the things that that separate him from Jason Bean? Yeah, that can put KU in a position to win. Sure. Because if Jalen's out there and he's got to be careful because the back still may be a little sore, or he's tentative, KU's not winning. Yep. Like, KU needs a quarterback to be ready to go and play one of the best games of their career to win this game. It's as simple as that. And so – who that is, right, is kind of the question, and that's what is going to be decided this week, which yeah. is not a great answer. I, I know fans want to know, and I want to know, right? Sure, sure. That's that's no. why I asked. That's why I asked. I had to put that out there. Yeah, so so we'll see. But, Kevin, let, let's get to Big Noon Kickoff. Sure. Pre-game show. KU is one of, I believe, the number from Andy Eich, the, the great sports information director for KU football, um, put it out there that I believe it's KU is one of five teams over the last two seasons that has hosted both ESPN and Fox's college football pregame shows. It's a big deal. This is a show that in terms of ratings is challenging college yep. game day. 
right? It's not quite there yet in terms of consistent ratings, but there are weeks in which big noon kickoff does better than game day. And it's a big opportunity for KU here to continue to get another one of these kind of, this one's two hours, but a two hour infomercial for KU football. And it's going to lead into the the big noon kickoff game, which has rated really well. What do you kind of think about the opportunity KU has here? Because I think it's a, it's great that KU has it, but also they've got to capitalize, I feel like. Sure. And you, and that doesn't even necessarily mean win. You know, when you look at last year and college game day, you know, while Kansas obviously would have loved to win that game against TCU, I think being there on the final drive, playing the way that they did, uh, mm-hmm. I think was a tremendous infomercial for, for KU. It's kind of like we've talked about on this show what an infomercial the Liberty Bowl was, even, even though – Kansas lost that game, the the way that they played, how exciting they were, all the different things there, you know, all, all of that was positive. And so, yeah, I, I do think there, there are things that matter beyond the show being there. Like you said, you know, you, you can host the show and you lose 42 to 10, you know, it's not going to be the best look. And yeah, so a lot of people watching. Yeah. And, and so I, I also think, you know, it's important that people turn up. You know, and they sell this thing out and, you know, to have a, a game this week. And I know, you know, some people will probably point to the ticket prices going up and, and everything else. But, I mean, that's that's part of having a good football team. And Kansas has what looks like a, a pretty good football team at this point. Mm. So when, when you add all of that together, if Kansas comes out, you know, you know they're going to do well on the pregame show, right? I mean, Lance Leipold interviews well for that stuff. You know, they've got they've got likable guys, team features, all those different things. If the fans and the students and everybody turns up, they make it a great atmosphere, and KU football shows up on the field, this has a chance to be, you know, closer to a six-hour infomercial for the program, yeah. the type of thing that – that really is tough to duplicate and tough to put a dollar figure to. 100%. And I think this is something that too, you look at the recruiting impact it has and look across the country, you know, people watch the shows in the morning. Right. But also big games like this get recruits to show up, you know, we'll have the visitor list later on this week for VIPs that want to see you all is going to be there. But the early word, at least from a couple of guys I've been able to confirm so far, like there are some really good players. They're going to be in Lawrence for this game and being able to show that, Hey, on these big stages, Kansas can rise to the occasion and play with one of these big boys, if you will. I don't know what else to call Oklahoma. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the situations where it's just a big opportunity. And, you know, I think KU did a good job last year of answering it. It wasn't perfect, right? The first half for KU yeah. wasn't great. Obviously, the game being on FS1, um, not necessarily also the biggest stage as well, but with this being a Fox game and having the pregame show lead right into it, the big noon stage is going to – I believe it will be on the hill, and then they'll transition inside. I believe I, – I haven't seen that fully confirmed yet. But, look, the crowd get there early, right, because they're going to be in there showing out the stadium. Even if it's not renovated yet, that will be covered, I'm sure, <laughs> during the during the pregame show. But, look, it, it – it's just another one of these big opportunities that you hope the whole entire thing, right? Kansas program, Kansas athletics, and Kansas fans are ready to answer because these chances, right, as we've seen, don't come around very often. Game day came for the first time last year, first time the big noon has come, and you want them to want to come back. 
because then you get more infomercials and more time on TV. And that stuff is valuable, right? I think you're right. You can't really put a monetary value on it. Yeah. And you look at the recruiting aspect that you brought up with it. Guys that are already committed, it's confirmation to them of mm. what you've been telling them this totally. whole time. When they came in and they visited and you said, hey, look, College Game Day visited. We're a program on the rise. People are paying attention. You know, we're getting these renovations. People are, are talking about that. And, and I think that's been a big part of, of this recruiting class, which I think mm -hmm. both of us would admit is is a really strong one for, for Kansas at, at this point, um, is that they were able to sort of bottle all of that together, right? Yeah. Going to a bowl game for the first time in a long time, being mm – -hmm exciting having you know this fun offense being able to look at point to college game day then having them in and being able to show them you know hey these are all the different things that we're doing to the facilities from mm -hmm. the football facility to memorial stadium itself and, and being able to sell kind of okay here's what you think you know about kansas but here's what we're capable of and i think that when you're you're able to draw a big noon kickoff or, or a college game day or, or something like that. It's confirmation of, of what you've been telling them. And, and that's important for the guys who are already in the boat, because I, I think some of those guys are, are getting recruited by, by some other schools mm -hmm. and have been pretty much from the moment Kansas got them. Uh, but it's also important because we've talked about the 2025 class being a strong one locally and, and all of those things too. And so being able to establish yourself as a legitimate option for these kids. And I, I think Kansas is, has really done a lot to do that both on the field and with all of the, this extra stuff. I, I think yeah. it, it's just huge. Yeah, I totally agree. And I guess we can probably transition into the recruiting side of things. Sure. The bye week is big for that. You know, these coaches don't have the opportunity to go out throughout the course of the season really and get to the commits that are kind of, out of the state and there's also limitations on the number of evaluations you can do where you go watch players in person and the bye week was really big for that you know lance leipold was down in arizona at desert edge high school yeah. last thursday um here's a good photo with leipold and, and mark and marcus carter the head coaches at desert edge um who also right at ben the lawrence they were with yeah. deshaun warner andre gibson and jonathan kamara um during their official visit in june which helped ku secure the commitment of Deshaun Warner, who is now the subject of some pretty important interest. Kevin, yep. right? You know, you look at getting a, a Michigan offer, which I think we talked about at the time, but you know, Jonathan Kamara got a Michigan offer right before he was going to commit to Kansas. And they tried to say, Hey, hold off, you know, let us recruit you. And he said, no, I'm good. I'm going to Kate. Well, they waited to offer Deshaun Warner until earlier this month when they offered him because he's having an incredible senior year. He's yep. dominating as a defensive end, and they offered him. And then I believe a couple of days later, maybe a week later, Ohio State offers him. And that's a big deal, right? Ohio State isn't necessarily super trigger happy with the offers they do send out. And so KU is doing their best to make sure that Deshaun Warner stays in the class and sending the head coach down to Arizona when he could go anywhere else in the country, right? He's a head coach. Like that's a big deal to send him down to Arizona to go see the kids and um, really check in on the school and be seen on the sideline. You know sure. how the rules work sure. um, where he's able to go, go to the high school game, go watch, 
get one of those valuations, check in with the coaches during the daytime and do a lot of the stuff where you're just seen around the school, right? Make sure the logo and the polo is seen around and Jordan Peterson was down there as well. So I guess, Kevin, when you see the offers come in for someone like that, right, who obviously had a huge rankings bump, he's now ranked number 174 in the country. Regardless of position, regardless regardless of of position, he's one of the top 15 defensive ends in the country. Like Deshaun Warner is an elite recruit and he was doing its best to hold on to an elite recruit that they have spent a lot of time and capital recruiting. So when you see those big offers come in, I guess, what are you thinking and what do you look for as time goes on? Right. As signing day approaches. Yeah. I think the Ohio state offer is particularly intriguing just because I, I realize this isn't a hundred percent accurate, but it feels like every defensive lineman that that oh, goes yeah. to Ohio state and puts in the work winds up popping up as a high NFL draft pick uh, on the other side. And, and let's, let's be clear about this. Deshaun Warner has that kind of potential. That's why he's considered such a high-level recruit is, is he's somebody that has the potential mm-hmm. to pop up as a high NFL draft pick on the other side if he puts in the work, if he develops and, and works on his body and all of those things. And so Ohio State, you know, you kind of raise your eyebrows at, at that one a little bit. Totally. I think one of the things I would say is the fact that Kansas has three commits from Desert Edge. Not He's not the only one. Mm-hmm. There's not just one other guy. There's three of them. I, I think you would think that his teammates would would kind of be there saying, hey, you know, stick it out with us at Kansas. Yeah. And I, I think one of the other things is, you know, Jordan Peterson's done a, a great job there. But I think this class has done a great job of, of being really close and, and kind mm-hmm. of recruiting each other and sticking with each other and everything. It kind of kind of cracked me up. I, I think one of the first responses under Deshaun Warner tweeting that he had the Ohio State offer was from Carson Brune, a tight end from Iowa who is committed to Kansas and is basically like, no, bro, like, you know what the move is. Stay, mm-hmm. stay here with Kansas. And, and so, you know, obviously that's, that's some tough competition to fight yeah. off. But Warner had some major offers before he committed. He had Texas. He had some, some other ones. Um, like you said, Kamara already had a Michigan offer before he wound up choosing Kansas. One of the weird things about this class is if you go through and look, there's what, 16 commits now, I think? Yeah. Something like six or seven of those guys have Michigan offers now. Mm-hmm. Like, how often can you say that about a Kansas recruiting class? But I, I do think, it, and it, I know we, we just talked about this, but I, I think it's one of those things where making a bowl game, getting big noon kickoff, like all of these things, you know, stacking these things up where you can go to, you can go to Deshaun Warner and say, what we told you would happen. We told you a, B and C, you know, Mm -hmm. we told you you we'd have a good football team. We've got a good football team. We told you the nation was noticing. Here's the nation noticing. We told you that the facilities improvements were coming. Here are our plans for the facilities. Everything we've told you is checking out. You can come here and build your path to the NFL through here. And I think, I think there's a there's a fairly solid chance that they hold on to him. You know, if they're able to show him all of those things and show him that hey, you know, all of these things that we told you that were part of the reason that you chose Kansas, along with the relationships that we built with you. You know, the on field stuff is also there for you. 
Yeah, 100%. I think it also shows, right, that if you go to Kansas, you will be seen. Yep. I think that's one of the big things that I think probably high school kids worry about, right, is will I be seen? And I think moments like this Saturday show you yes, right? Yep. You can't be seen. And I think other people would also say, look, the NFL draft doesn't really care where you come from. Sure. You know, if you're good and you're putting on really good tape, you will get drafted. Um, I think obviously like program cachet and that, that does play a role in some of it. But I think generally if you are good and you dominate your school and you test well and you perform well and interview well, you will be drafted and you'll be drafted highly. So I think it's one of those deals where I think okay, you can continue to recruit Deshaun off the things that they've told him from the get go, which is sure. come here. You'll be able to be put in a position to have success. You can show them Kyron Johnson from the first year and say, Hey, look, this is not a guy that fits us, but look how much production he was able to have as an undersized defensive end playing a spot. He wouldn't have played. Usually you can yep. use someone like Jeremy Robinson as developmental player, right? Over the three years that coaching staff has been here, he has improved. You can use someone like Austin Booker to showcase, Hey, when we see talent, we can put it in the right position to make an impact from day one. So, I think there's a lot of data points that the coaching staff can use, but look, it is Ohio state. Sure. And that, and that, that, that logo on the side, it does mean a lot. So you, I don't think you, anyone would blame Deshaun Warner for going and taking a hard look at Ohio state. Um, I think it's just a fact of recruiting and offers from a school like this um, don't come around often. So I think it's a two way street, right? Where I think equally you can say, yes, Kansas has recruited him for longer believed in him before a lot of other people put in the work has been able to make him feel at home. And that's what the coaches at desert edge say, go where you're loved. And they've done all these things. I think on the other hand, you can all say, yeah, it's Ohio state. <laughs> yeah, I, think, sure. I think, yeah, you know, two things can be true at once in this situation. Um, so yeah. And we can get to the newest commit for KU as well. Last week, sure. Thursday evening, David Abajian. Uh, made his technically it's a flip, but you know, made his commitment to KU known. He was once committed to Oregon State, decommitted because of conference realignment. KU finished as a very, very close second um the first time around. And this is why relationships and not burning bridges is so crucial in recruiting nowadays. You don't know what's gonna happen four, five, six months down the road. You keep contact if a kid is open to being contacted and you just see where things go. And this is a perfect example of it. So I look at David and I think he's got a really talented future. If you go look at his tape um, on huddle, like he's an athletic guy at 6'5", 270, 275. Doesn't look like someone that is 275 pounds. He looks lighter than that. He moves well. Um, I think it's a really, really good get for KU. And they've now got four offensive linemen committed in this class. Yeah, and you add in Calvin Clements, who they thought was kind of a foundational guy in last year's class too. Sure. Carter Lavrusky is a guy that moved up our rankings a ton. You know, for those of you who don't know, uh, we we have a, a grading scale. Obviously, everybody mm -hmm. knows the star rankings, <laughs> but uh, but to be a four star, you have to have a rating of ninety and. Um, Kansas has several guys sort of right on that edge uh, of being, you know, either a high three-star guy because they're an 89 or, or being a four-star mm -hmm. guy as a 90. And Lebrusky got a, got a big bump up to, uh, to an 89. I think he's the number 35 offensive tackle in the country 
And so when you add in, you know, guys like David to him and, and, you know, we have David ranked as an interior offensive lineman. I know that Greg Biggins and talking about him has said he can do both. He really thinks Mm -hmm. that he could stick at tackle at the college level, but also thinks that he's somebody that, that has the talent and everything that, Hey, if, if you've already got two tackles, if for whatever reason tackle isn't working, he, he's not a guy that's, that has to be a tackle. He can move inside and play guard as well. And so that sort of versatility is nice. And, and when you add in Lavrusky to, to Calvin Clements, who, you know, made a spot on the two deep, you know, fairly early on and, yeah. and has a lot of talent and, and enrolled early. And it, it seems like Scott Fuchs did a really good job in, in the last few years in, in terms of, kind of working with what he had on roster and they filled in the gaps with the transfer here and there, but guys really developed. They really got a lot Mm -hmm. better under him. And and when you look at this class, when you add it to last year's class, it seems like he's going to have a pretty good sized group of guys who have sort of the raw clay, if you will, that you want Mm -hmm. to work with for offensive linemen. Yeah. And I think so much too, like I'm not getting caught up in what positions these guys are. Sure. Going to play because I think Scott Fuchs has shown us that the best five are going to play and yeah. whatever order that looks like, it, it's going to happen. And so, like for someone like Abajian, if he plays guard during his KU career, I'd say, yeah, that, yep, I could see it. If he plays tackle, yeah. I'd say, yep, I could see it. I think it's the same case with Kenny and Nene from Minnesota. Yeah. I think he's another guy that's kind of in that swing area, right? About six foot five for him. Got a really long wingspan, you know, has some interesting athletic stuff. And yeah. so you you say, hey, maybe tackle works out. You know, maybe it doesn't. But, I mean, he's he's got the tools. To, yeah, and you've to seen it, right, with with Michael Ford, with Dominic Pooney, guys that have played guard for KU, have played yeah. tackle elsewhere, um, that Scott Fuchs has no issue moving these guys around. And I just think, you know, you look at this class, four offensive linemen, it's the most KU's taken since – 2020 and they needed to take a big offensive line class because they're going to lose two this year. Um, there's a big class kind of coming up here where it's kind of the, the Michael Ford age where I think they've got two years left. Um, but that's a big class they're going to lose there. And so getting this kind of bigger class where they can really start to get the pipeline going is huge. And look, KU's also had trouble recruiting against Oregon State. I think that's been a consistent thing kind of over the last 14 months. If you pay really close attention to it, which not everybody does, but Oregon State's a school that has recruited well against KU at least and recruiting some of the similar players. So for KU, getting a quality player like Abajian, who KU was also early on, right, an early offer. They offered him in August of 2022. So before the start of his junior season is when they offered him. So I think this is a really good evaluation for KU and just a really good job recruiting where they built a really good relationship with him and it paid off in the end. Yeah, I think when you looked at this class, you wanted to add a lot of higher end defensive talent Mm because you felt like, you know, maybe you didn't have as much in the program, just generally speaking. You wanted a big offensive line class and you wanted to find a quarterback. And and I think that when you look at, at that, Defensive class, you know, I, I include, you know, in addition to Sean Warner, I, I think Austin Alexander is a four-star caliber guy. He's a really talented cover corner um, that that 
I, I'm really excited about seeing it at the next level. They've got several guys kind of in that range defensively. We talked about the offensive line guys. And then you you add in a guy like Isaiah Marshall, who, you know, is kind of, you know, fits your tag of quarterback of the future. You know, what what's been your thought yeah. on, on Isaiah and, you know, where, where he kind of fits in at Kansas? Yeah, I think he's been really good. It'll be a really good fit for when he gets to KU. I mm-hmm. think you watch the way he throws, the way he runs. It's similar to Jalen Daniels. And, look, his track times are pretty elite, too. Yeah. Anytime you're running sub 11 second, 100 meters, like that's going to catch yeah. people's attentions. And then you do it as a quarterback who also has some really good arm talent. Like it's a guy that is really, really special. I think height is probably his biggest knock and that's fine. Right. You know, he's a like, KU has shown that they can do it with guys that aren't six, three, six, two. So yeah. I, I think he's going to fit in just fine. He's an early enrollee. We're starting to get a picture of what the early enrollees look like. Obviously we'll keep you updated on, the VIP board about that is signing day gets closer and guys kind of make that big decision of, am I ready? Because KU does demand that those early enrollees are players. Yeah. There's no grace period, right? There's grace period in terms of practice and understanding what you're doing, but in terms of habits, in terms of being asked to come in and be a college football player from day one, it's a lot to ask. And I think someone like Calvin Clements has shown that when you go in with the right mindset and the right mentality and you take it, um, day by day and don't get focused on, Oh, the bigger picture of, I need to be at this spot. You can have success. And the coaching staff has also shown that if you come in and show that you're able to contribute, they'll put you in a position where you're on the travel roster. Like Alvin Clements has been for every single game. So I think Isaiah, I think Dak Brinkley is one that's going to enroll early as well. A four-star yeah. defensive end. Um, you know, KU's going to have some, some young freshmen coming in that are, going to be hungry to compete and i'm i'm excited to see those guys in person in spring practice yeah and i think those guys usually you see a jump from them from the strength and conditioning standpoint too mm. they come in totally. I, I shouldn't say they come in at a higher level they come into the summer at a higher level when the other freshmen arrive they are ahead of those guys because they've already been working with gildersleeve and i, I think gildersleeve you you hit the nail on the head when you talked about habits because Gildersleeve is really good at developing strength. I think he's pretty good at developing speed and, and you know, different things physically. I think more than all of that, the thing that makes Gildersleeve a really good strength coach and, and a big part of the reason Kansas has had a lot of success as a program is he really, really just bores down into those habits hmm. and what you do every single day to make yourself better. And, and so I think – you know, if I were a freshman who was looking to play, you know, usually you'd want to come in early to learn the playbook and things like that. I think that added time around the program and developing the kinds of habits and everything that they look for is just, you know, yeah. arguably just as important, if not more so. Well, look, and practice for KU is pretty chaotic. Like, I don't yeah, think fans, sure. um, obviously, are not allowed to practice, but like for us that are able to go, like, you see how chaotic it is and it's very rhythmic. I think the first couple of days of spring practice when there are the newcomers right from the transfer portal, there are the new early enrollees. Um, it looks a certain way. And then by the time spring practice is over, it looks a different way. And then yeah. by the time camp comes around, it is lickety split. Everybody knows where they're going. Um, there are a lot of drills that get done. Everybody's getting practice reps during spring, during camp. Like there isn't a guy like that just stands around for two hours and doesn't do anything, right? Like guys are getting reps and, 
I think that takes a minute to get used to. And that's why I think someone like Keaton Kubeka as well is a really good example of someone that he didn't even enroll early, but he came from a high school that was so advanced in the preparation in Austin Westlake, yeah. right? One of the best high school programs in the country where he knew how to prepare every day. Yeah. And then there are other guys that come in and don't because obviously high school football is different in every state, in every city, in every high school. So that range is different. And some like Dak Brinkley, for example, playing at Katie, like they are a very, very good program, yeah. right? And he will show up at KU knowing what it looks like to win. And he'll know what that looks like. And so that'll be maybe an easier transition if I had to guess for him in that regard. And so I think it's all really interesting once you get into kind of the, the roster building and team building side sure. of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Any any final thoughts on on recruiting before we get out of here? No, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, when you look at it, I'm not saying they're 100% done because guys can pop up that you didn't expect mm-hmm. to pop up and, you know, guys can reopen that you didn't expect to reopen and, and all of those different things. But would you, would you agree that Kansas is mostly done at this point and that, you know, the spots that they are going to have are, are possibly more going to be allocated toward the transfer portal? I think so. I think you look at the numbers, right? I think KU's guaranteed to lose 15 yeah. scholarship players. It could be 16, depending on Ronald McGee. Um, and then you look at a 16 man class, like scholarship wise, that lines up. And then you're looking at, you know, being an one out, one in type of situation. Sure. Um, after the season ends. So, yeah, I, I think so. Um, but also, this coaching staff has shown that if there's a really good player out there that wants to go to Kansas, um, they'll, find they'll make it work if they think it's a fit. Right. I don't think anyone this time last year thought Jacoby Davis was going to be in K's class, a cornerback from Texas. And sure enough, it, it happens in January where he's still available looking for a spot. And KU has a spot to, I guess, initially they were going to um, gray shirt and then happens over the summer where he's able to come in on time and it works out. So I think this KU staff is not afraid to get creative if there's a really talented player that wants to be at KU. But I think in terms of needs, like what does Kansas need to do in this high school class? I think they got it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm not sure the average person realizes how much Kansas could feasibly have come back next year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Jalen Daniels still has time. Devin Neal, Daniel Hyshaw still have time. Your top three wide receivers have time. Three of your starting offensive linemen, I believe, when you look at that, you know, the defensive linemen, I think the only one they would lose is uh, Phillips. Phillips and Hatcher. Yeah, Phillips and Hatcher. So you look at the fact that you could return both Jeremy Robinson and, you know, and Austin Booker and most of your defensive or tackle rotation. Mm -hmm. You know, you lose Rich Miller, but bring back Jamie Brown, Tywon Berry. You know, I'm not saying all of these guys are coming back. I'm saying all of these guys could come back. You know, you look at Jacoby Bryant, you know, um, and just – guys across the secondary too and so that's where some of the challenges with some of this roster building i think too is like you said right now the numbers at 15 you look at all those guys does kobe bryant stay another year or Mm -hmm. you know does he make a jump devin neal with all the success that he's had does he go early jalen daniels has had a full college career he could have another year but he's had a full college career does he does he decide to come back? And there are a lot of those guys kind of sprinkled around the roster. So what's 15 right now, like I don't want anybody to be watching this or listening to this thinking, 
oh my gosh, we're one scholarship over. No, there's going to be some movement there somewhere where some of these spots wind up opening up, you know, and so you're, you're going to have, you know, a few portal guys here and there. I don't know specifically, Hey, it's going to be guys, A, B, and C, but mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, you're going to have some openings here for, for Kansas to kind of attack things a little bit. Yeah. I think that's just how it works in modern yeah. college sports where I think guys are going to think it's, I'm good. You know, with the COVID yeah. year too, right? Sure. Some of these guys have been in college a long time. You know, yeah. and some of them, sometimes you're just ready to be done. And I think the way that a season finishes can change opinions. I saw it in my time covering Iowa State, where I think a lot of guys after 2020 thought um, they're going to leave. And then the way the season ends, they decide, yeah, one more run. And so I think things can still change their flux. And obviously, yeah. I think that we're, we're a long way away from that. Still five weeks and potentially a full <laughs> game to go for KU. But um, and, and we saw Jason Bean change based on the final play of the bowl game you know basically and so yeah it's it's one of those things that's going to be in flux but if you're if you're worried if you're saying oh my gosh kansas needs to add blah blah to get better you know those spots are are probably going to be there yeah exactly right and it these are just conversations for December, so let's not get too. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Not, not um, anyway, the Oklahoma game. So yeah. So, yeah, I, so think, I will ask, yeah. not necessarily from a prediction standpoint, but we saw last year Kansas came off the bye week exceptionally right. well, right? They looked fresh for the first time in like a month, mm-hmm. and they just absolutely put it on Oklahoma State. I'm not that saying missing, Kansas, that was missing eight starters. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying Kansas is going to put it on Oklahoma, but I am saying that I think this is very interesting heading into this game off the bye week, potentially maybe having extra time for a guy like Jalen Daniels to heal up, you know, whether where this game winds up going this weekend. And, and if Kansas is able to throw a scare into Oklahoma or, you know, or even beat Oklahoma to – gain bowl eligibility all of a sudden you know you're looking at a situation where i'm not saying they're going to the big 12 title game but that's something that's still in play which is crazy to crazy to say yeah i mean it shows you the big 12 but yeah i think right i've said this before kevin offense is about scheme defense is about talent and for ku the chance to have extra time to come up with the game plan for oklahoma for the offense for Andy Kolnick, I think it's big trying to find ways to attack them. Right. Positive. I think on the other side, KU's defense should be able to play faster. Right. And I think you're able to play to your ceiling um, more consistently when you are fresh. Right. I think we saw that early in the year. I think the, the Illinois game is a great example of that, where Illinois was a big physical offensive line and KU just kind of dominated. And I think, coming into this game with the extra rest, getting someone like, you know, Austin Booker time to heal after we played on one knee, the linebackers getting time to rest and recover and recuperate and just everybody in general being able to enter this game fresh. I think that's just huge. Like, does it mean the difference? No, but could it mean making a big play when a big play is needed or having the legs to do it in the fourth quarter? I think that's going to help. But yeah, I think the bye week for KU coming before this game in particular um, should help, right? In terms of just yeah. making it be more of a competitive contest. Sure, and I think you know you look at uh, you look at the Texas game, and 
to be quite honest, it wasn't that competitive of a game, but the score was relatively close into the third quarter. And, you know, even though Texas kind of had to help with that a little bit in terms of making some mistakes and things like that, if Kansas can hang around in this game and make it a four-quarter game where kind of all the pressure is on Oklahoma and, and specifically all the pressure is on an Oklahoma team that, that hasn't won a big 12 title in a few years, you know, this isn't, this isn't an Oklahoma team that, you know, everybody on that team is accustomed to winning those games. And and Mm -hmm. so I I think that it's, there's a very real chance here. If Kansas can hang around that Kansas makes this thing very uncomfortable for Oklahoma. And, and in that case, you know, it's, it's kind of anybody's game. Yeah, exactly. I think just get into the fourth quarter, you know, have to be one of the coin flip games, right? I think that's something we talked yeah. about a lot was games like Oklahoma State, Illinois, being some of those coin flip games. And I think if you can get to the fourth quarter, one possession, make it a coin flip game. Maybe Dylan Gabriel throws you the ball. Maybe a, a guy fumbles it. Maybe someone muffs a punt. Um, maybe your special teams makes a big play. Get into those games where one score and you just don't know what can happen. So I think that's going to be huge. And if KU can do it, I think that's that's great, right? It's about 11-point spread around there. I wonder how the quarterback situation, if it becomes more clearly in the week, how does that impact the betting spread? But I think it's a game that Cave's just got to gotta keep it close, got to get it to the fourth quarter, being one score and being in the game because anything can happen at that point. I don't know that we're going to get any clarity on the Jalen Daniels. Oh, yeah, we will. Oh, yeah, we will. Daniels going to tweet it on Thursday, Friday or something. Oh, yeah, that's that's probably true. That's probably true. Mm -hmm. Just in time to flip those uh, betting lines around before uh, before everything happens. Yeah, well, at least we've not gotten uh, Jalen Daniels. I'm not going to – whatever. I'm not going to get into it. (laughs) I'm going to save myself. I'm good. I'm good. All right. All right. Any well, that's, that Kevin? seems like a good place to end, Swain. Yeah. So I don't get in trouble. I'm good. All right. Thanks as always for listening to the fog.net podcast. Um, please give us a rating or view on iTunes. If you, if you like what you heard, we'll be back with a, a podcast um, later this week, I believe Thursday morning with James D Jackson from our Oklahoma website. We're going to link up and do a, a fun podcast and learn a little bit more about Oklahoma, kind of what the season's been like for them after a really down year last year. Um, So that should be really good. If you're watching on YouTube, hey, make sure you're subscribed to the videos. Make sure you're liking them, dropping comments. All those things go a long way in helping us with the algorithm, um, which therefore helps us get to more people and more people can find out about Kevin and I talking about Lord knows what for an hour when I thought this is going to be 30 minutes. But that's what makes this podcast fun, Kevin, is that we get going and then we just keep going. And I think it's great. So Thank you, as always, for listening to the Fogdown.net podcast. We will be back next Sunday. We're doing it on Sunday. We'll be back with another podcast. Thanks, as always. Hope everyone has a great week. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.